Welcome back to Two Mamas and a Mustard Seed. Today we're continuing our conversation with Terrence Terman, pastor, husband, and father, and Darian Sanders, worship minister, actor, father, and husband as well. This is part two of Navigating Our World with Purpose. I am one of your hosts, Kisa Hokey. I'm your other host, Renee Rico. Last time we talked to these guys, we were talking about being black men in the racially messed up world we live in. And this part, we're talking about purpose, what keeps them going. Yep, let's get to it. We as black people know all too well how crippling fear can be. It goes right to my heart when I hear my brothers in Christ talk about how much they deal with fear as well. I was scared. Yeah. yeah, I feel fear all the time. Man. I felt fear pulling in this neighborhood. Mm. I mean, I had to be honest with you because I had the U-turn in the middle of the road because <laughs> I missed my turn. And I was like, and, and it was just a, a, it was just a second thought. But yeah. I, I went into the road and I U-turned. I said, man, I hope one of these people outside mm. don't think I'm sketchy because and, and, yeah. they don't know me. They don't know my car. And I was just like, all right, whatever. Just go to the house. And I parked and got out the car and just came in. But that thought just in that moment happened. It's just mm. a part of, just a part of my my reality. So yeah, I get scared all the time. I don't go, I don't leave my house after dark unless I have to. Mm -hmm. I mean, if we need milk, we'll just get it in the morning. Mm -hmm. Like I ain't no reason for me to be on the road after 830. So like, that's kind of, that's just kind of my mentality. Mm -hmm. And then like, does that restrict my life from experiencing some things? Absolutely. But it also just a a measure that I take Mm -hmm. just to be overcorrective and being like, making sure that I can give my kids and my family all that I God has called me to give them. And so, um, yeah, for sure. Fear is a real thing. Yeah. And it shifted too. Cause like when I was younger, I, I didn't get married until I was 27, 28. So like being mm-hmm. younger, I didn't really truly have that much fear. And then I got married and my wife's like, um, you need to not, <laughs> <laughs> um, you need to not do this. Um, you, I appreciate you want to go to the gym. No, no, no. Uh, you can go in the morning. Uh, and so like things like that, but like my process was like, I'm fine, like I'm good. But I also know the world continues to shift and evolve. Yeah. And so things that used to be okay aren't okay. Mm. The same way that we wouldn't have our kids just out playing in the yard. Right. The way, I mean, the way that, I mean, even even me at 35, the way that I used to play mm-hmm. out in the yard, yeah. you know, even before that, the way my siblings used to play out in the yard, and it's like, right. I'm going to go down the street and play at so-and-so's house three doors down. Cool. Be back by this time. Right. Negative. Like, no. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to go pick you up. You can right. come back. Go yeah. yeah. in the garage. Make sure that garage door comes all the way yes. down. And then you can come in the house. Like, it, it's things like that that's yeah. just absolutely crazy that now I think even more so that we're processing through. So, like, that's... Yeah. And not that we want to live in fear. Right. I think it's just living in the wisdom of like these are the times that we're in. Yes. Right. Yes. And it's just super important to be able to identify those things, and sometimes force yourself to process through those things and and chill out because, like I mm-hmm. said earlier, sometimes your race can be a burden to yourself when the fear cripples you, mm-hmm. and, it, and it takes you out of opportunities and out of of just stepping into new experiences that you could never have. And so I I, I think it's a multifaceted thing because for me, it's like, if I acknowledge my fear every time I talk to one of my white <laughs> friends or something, in every conversation I almost enter into, I got to mm-hmm. bring up race. I mean, I was going mm-hmm. to a place the other night 
And I kept asking specific locations, like, okay, it's 9.30. I've never been here. It's going to be dark. You're telling mm-hmm. me to come to this building. Great. Where do I park? Yes. What door yes. do I go through? <laughs> yeah. And they're like, dude, just come. And they're speaking from their own experience. <laughs> yeah. They never have to think about these things. Mm-hmm. And like, well, I could just be honest and say, listen, I'm asking all these things because, listen, I'm a black dude. And like, there's right. just different ways we do stuff. And But it's like, or I could just, okay, and just figure it out on my own. Sometimes not to okay, enter into though. the conversation that, that because... But I get it can be every it can be every conversation and it can be and you don't want right. that so I think that's good. Sometimes they might need to know. Oh yeah, absolutely. What absolutely. color is the door? <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> the frame. <laughs> Look, mama's looking out. Too. Okay. <laughs> Listen, absolutely. Sometimes they need to know. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I definitely, I definitely get that. I have to admit that I didn't know Black Boy Joy was a hashtag movement. Terrence was the first person I've ever heard talk about it as a movement. So I went and looked it up after a conversation. And sure enough, as most of you probably know, it was a movement. Apparently I've been living under a rock probably in the parenting world. But I had just known it as a term. Of course it was something I wanted for my own black sons. But to hear that it was actually a movement was news to me. And that it stemmed from flipping the script on perceived black male anger? That breaks my heart. We shouldn't need a movement for that. And there shouldn't even be a script that needs flipped. To you, when I say black mm-hmm. boy joy, what do you hear? And do you think black boys in our country can find joy? Two things, twofold. One, I think you nailed it on the head when you said the joy comes from Jesus, mm-hmm. um, not from being black. Mm-hmm. However, in that is understanding the uniqueness of how he created you. Mm. So finding the joy in that uniqueness, and if it's because you are black and the things that you come from and things that you do, mm. you can find joy in that. Mm. So for me, I have a lot of theater friends, um, obviously, and they have a lot of different um, viewpoints and um, foundations that they come from. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, um, they find their joy in different areas. Mm. And so never knocking, never condemning, never judging by any means. You find your joy when you find your joy. However, I find my joy in Jesus Mm -hmm. and understanding what he did for me on the cross. And so because of that, I know that now I'm uniquely made. And because of that, like I literally um, have been using for the past year this this quote, and it literally is, I'm not arrogant, but I'm authorized. So I walk Mm. into a room and I'm not, arrogant that I'm the best singer, that I'm the best looking, that I'm the most qualified for this position, but I'm authorized because Jesus has me in this position, mm-hmm. in this season, in this room. Like, there's some reason why I'm here doing what I'm doing. And so because of that, I can confidently walk in underneath this covering. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, that's where I find my joy. Mm-hmm. Of just saying like, hey, guess what? I'm in theater. So there are probably a million people that can sing, dance, act better than me. But he has me in this position. Mm-hmm. Right now, I understudy. But the moment that I take over that role and for whatever that day, performance, whatever that is, guess what? I'm going to be the best person for that role at that time because that's what my job is. Mm-hmm. And that's what he's called me to do. So how does that look? What does that look like? It looks different for everybody. But for me, like that's where my joy comes from. So then I look and say, like, and, and is it bad that I don't say hashtag black boy joy? Like... Mm. for me no like that's and that's okay for me not to say that for mm. somebody else like they want to celebrate this like 
this aspect of the the culture that mm. they are they think they are black living their best life like black owned businesses all these other things like beautiful mm. celebrate it and not mm. not one bit and not that they're coming from a a bad place by any means right. I just for myself have not done that but mm. that doesn't mean that I'm not I don't have black boy joy mm. I have black boy joy is just Grounded in Jesus. So instead of saying like black boy joy, I just have a hashtag that says joy. <laughs> that's, that's me. <laughs> but I mean, I'm black, I'm a boy, and I got joy. Yeah. So yes, I'm yeah. celebrating and living my best life with some black boy joy. That's good. That's good. You know, I, I echo what you said. You know, when I when I heard the question, I, I immediately thought through the idea that Absolutely. Um, just because uh, I am a believer, I'm a follower of Christ. My joy is rooted in Jesus. There is no other joy. It's mm. a sustaining joy. It's an overpowering mm. joy. It's a it's an all encompassing joy. And so, one of the fundamental things about becoming a Christ follower is that any other identity you have has to bow down to your Jesus mm. identity. And so, when I accept <laughs> Jesus as my Lord and Savior, Amen. All right, no, but when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you you have to process this mm. idea of all the things that have to become now second place. And mm. so, um, I do now. Black boy joy is something that I think for sure as a man raising black boys, I want my children to walk out joy. That's good. All right, but mm. my my means of teaching that joy is trying to generationally transfer the faith and the joy I have onto my kids and mm. making sure they understand that there is no other place that their joy will come from because for the rest of your life your blackness will be a problem for mm. somebody mm. for the rest of the, for the rest of your life your maleness will be a problem for somebody like for the rest of your life something about you will be a problem for somebody yeah. so if you allow that people liking you or mm. people's perception of you to be the thing that you're grounded in, then you're always going to be disappointed. So mm. you have to have something that's bigger than people's perception, mm. right? You mm. have, And so if you know that you're seen from the, the, the hum, biggest humanitarian in the world with eyes of love, mm. right? Then you can go out and encounter humanity with that joy. And so, um, yeah, I teach my boys, you know, to be proud of yourselves and, and to have, a, a black pride, but not a black pride that downplays anybody else's heritage or anybody mm-hmm. else's upbringing, but just saying, hey, there's nothing wrong with you in a majority culture where you are a minority. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with you mm-hmm. because your skin is brown. It is just uniquely how God has made you. Um, but I quite, I learn a lot from my kids because my kids quite honestly don't, they don't, they just don't, they have questions about stuff, but it just doesn't cross their mind. They, right. Because, you know, the Black Boy Joy movement, just like many movements, it was a counter movement to the stereotypes that mm. have existed for years that black men are angry and mm. black men are dangerous. And mm. so this encouragement for black boys to walk around with smiles so they can't label you as angry, yeah. so they can't label mm. you as dangerous. But really, that it, it sometimes become problematic because now we're teaching our boys that they can't be fully human sure. and be angry and process all those mm. things. And so one of the books that unlocked so much emotion for me is a book called Cry Like a Man by mm. Jason Jason Williams. Um, he he has a, a uh, I think a karate dojo up in Detroit and he's in inner city and he just disciples um, young black boys and he's a follower of Christ. Mm. And this book is all about how black men in particular have been taught not to be fully human, but to be men. Mm-hmm. And so you cut mm-hmm. off different spectrums of your emotions to just to focus in on a few. And those few that they train us to focus in on is bravery, mm-hmm. tough, like toughness. So you, how do you live it out? You live it out through anger and, and through, um, 
um, uh, you know, you, this this happiness that actually hides the sadness mm-hmm. and the fear and all these things that we've been talking about mm-hmm. throughout this podcast. And so he he points us to how God created us in that way to have a range of emotions. So we have to do the hard work. Now, uh, first of all, in ourselves as men, uh, catching those other emotions up because we may be we may have a master's degree in anger. But you may be in kindergarten when it comes to sadness. And you need to learn wow. how to walk out your sadness. You need to learn how to walk out your sadness. Because once you learn how to walk out your sadness, you can learn how to live out your happiness. The The happiest moments of my life has been when I've cried. Mm-hmm. Man, me and Darian had a weekend experience <laughs> together where we cried a lot. We had an opportunity to go to a men's weekend and they mm-hmm. did a lot to do a lot to do with emotions. And I was I have never been so happy mm-hmm. until I had the moment to completely cry about all the things that had hurt me in my life that That's I never good. had a chance to That's cry good. about. In her book Mother to Son, author Jasmine L. Holmes writes, "You are free, little one. You are free to tell a different story, one rooted in allegiance to Christ." even though it will twist and turn in ways the deeply polarized could never have imagined. You are free to surprise them, all of them, over and over as you question the status quo. Carefully examine your own biases and choose to identify yourself in ways that God does rather than those of the prevailing cultural narrative. Terrence talked with us quite a bit about being a dad and raising his three boys to love Jesus and embrace their blackness at the same time. And like that, like that is what you need to teach to black people and black men to Mm -hmm. truly make black lives matter. And in a way that Mm -hmm. nobody else is doing, Mm -hmm. we have to give this next generation the tools to know that they can live out all that God's called them to be. And so, so yes, Mm -hmm. black boy joy is for sure attainable, but it has for me and what I'm raising my boys, it has to be tied to that. Yes, God created you black, and he did it for a reason. Like mm. that's that's my theology. God does everything for a reason. So he created you by for a reason. So now let's figure out how you're gonna leave the world better in your blackness. Mm. And but but make sure that the the power that's leading you out to do that is found in your hope in Jesus. That God loves you as much as He's ever gonna love you. Mm. Like there's nothing that you do or that you don't do that's gonna right. change God's love for you. You can go off and and be a sinner for 20 years. God loves you the same way today that he will over those 20 years because he's the same faithful father that's waiting for you. Mm-hmm. So go and like live in that truth. And so that's what I'm teaching my boys and just this idea. So yeah, but my boys are joyful. I don't know, like they love their blackness. You know, they think they're cute, you know. And, oh. You know, and, and they just, you know, they love a fresh haircut and you know, so they're just things about them that like, I think it's just, you know, across black culture that just, you know, I don't know one black dude that don't feel better about himself once he gets a haircut. haircut. And it's like, man, I'm, I'm feeling good, you know. <laughs> joy, I'm just, I'm, you know? <laughs> joy, God's great joy. So saving joy, you know, joy, joy. Amen, 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 church. Amen, church. Thank you, Sister Kisa, for that wonderful selection. Let the church say amen. Amen. On today. All right. (laughs) So, guys. So, on this podcast, we know that our faith in Jesus is the center of all things. To hear Darian and Terrence talk about it in terms of their blackness and reconciling what was going on in this world, was definitely food for the soul 
especially in today's climate. Navigating with purpose as a black man in America. Put a little bow on it. <laughs> My, mine comes twofold. One, uh, the me not understanding quite my blackness. And so once I understood it, to then understand the power that comes with it. Mm. Um, and even more so, like, I just find it uniquely funny. Never thought that, like, my mom asked me, why, why would I want to go to a um, historically black college? And I'm like, never really been presented to me. So, like, mm. when I was deciding on colleges, it, I didn't really know about them to, to choose from and walk through. And so then to look at how I came out of college and the things that I did post-college to then now be in a predominantly black musical theater mm. Mm. <laughs> show, it was, it was crazy for me because I'm like, the thing that I was not necessarily running from, but the mm. thing that wasn't normal for me sure. is now the thing that I absolutely love and thrive and mm. get so much um, joy, excitement, and, and passion from being in a show like that. And I've been in a lot of different shows, but there's something magical about mm. being um, in that in, in the show that's just like wow is it the culture that's around it that's mm. surrounding is it the heartbeat is it the the show itself is it the history of it like what is it and so looking at that and understanding Darian has always been aware of his blackness but as an adult embraces his cultural identity more and more and knows that the Lord has used him in a unique way because of it getting a grip uh, a grasp of like, wow, no, there's something about the history and the culture of who I am and my mm. culture that I can help spread. And it's funny because honestly, like I've predominantly been in white churches most of my adult life when I started following Jesus. Mm. But there was always this like history and this culture of me growing up in the black church that I brought into the white church with me. And so then it's been one of those things of being in a predominantly black church, being in a predominantly white church, what does that look like? How does that feel? But knowing and understanding, like, I've been positioned with a platform to speak into some things mm -hmm. that maybe other people haven't been positioned for. And so walking forward with that and, and realizing that, that platform that you have, but then even more so, what does that platform look like outside the church? Mm -hmm. And for me, I've been given the opportunity to do that in, in my real job. So it's like, being, a, being in a company that I can freely express myself and have that conversation and say, hey, this is my faith. This is where I am. This is how I walk. This is why I talk. Like, and people to say, cool, I accept you for who you are. Mm. Like, I mean, I fully understand, but help, help, help walk me through that. But then also to say, like, this is Jesus. This is the real Jesus. I don't know who and how you've been dealt before, but like, mm. this is the Jesus that I know and love. This is the Bible. This is the gospel. This is the truth. Like, let's walk through it. And to have people say, like, cool, let's do that. And so to have these cool opportunities and have this unique perspective um, about that from going from working in a church <laughs> to then now doing what I'm doing, it's like, cool, awesome. Like, let's walk forward in that. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think, you know, processing life in America as a black man, but also from a Christian lens has, um, man, it has been a... Um, it's been an interesting. It's been an interesting thing to say the least. I mean, mm. there's just so many things that are so different about me mm. because I do that. 
um, than some of the people I'm, I grew up closest to or family or just all the different things. I, I just have a completely different worldview because of my uh, pursuit of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that has been super important for me, especially in the season that we're living, especially in a time where the black voice is is being illuminated, mm-hmm. is to remind those around me that I have influence with that the black community has always uh, been tied to Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's this, it, it infuriates me that there's this narrative within the black community that Christianity is somehow the white man's religion, mm-hmm. uh, but but they don't take the time to necessarily read the scriptures and, and realize that uh, the white man in the Bible are the Gentiles mm-hmm. that, that God is sending his chosen people out to reach. So how then can this be the white man's religion, but also they they are throwing away the strength of our community. The reason that our ancestors were able to survive yes. in those times is because they had a joy inside them. Like we've been talking, they had a joy inside mm-hmm. them that life on the other side would be yeah. better. And they had a hope, mm-hmm. even even when they had limited Bibles that yes. ripped out pages, even when they didn't get the full gospel, the Holy Spirit was in them mm-hmm. and empowered them uh, to to move forward and and have a legacy for us to stand on. And so, yes. and I think about. The faith leaders, you know, we lost uh, John Lewis um, this year. That The man had faith. I'm, I read through his book, the very first chapter of his book, Across His Bridge, is faith. And he's just talking mm-hmm. about how his faith has has empowered him and how his faith moved him beyond the fear of death yes. and the fear of the world hurting him yes. because of the hope that Jesus gave him. Of course our faith guides us. Of course Jesus is our foundation. And while we fully 100% believe that, We don't use that as an excuse to sit back and say that racism and everything involved with it is okay. No, we use our faith to propel us to make change and to make the world better for our own children. And you look at Dr. King, a a pastor who came from a legacy of pastors, but his faith is what fueled him to go and step out and bring measurable change to the world. And so for me as a black man, I've just always taking that legacy and, and, and I've saw I've always saw it as sacred and it is my sacred responsibility to to present to the world around me this picture, authentic picture of blackness. Mm-hmm. Um, and that my my black can be authentic just as much as my faith in Jesus can be authentic. In fact they are they work together and they give me a voice and I want my boys to see that. And so it just helps me navigate so much of life. It, it, it helps me see what things I don't need to pick up and what things I just need I, I I need to keep and I need to pick up, you know, like there's some things about being black that just don't fit with me being sold out to Jesus. Mm. And I have to be OK with putting those yes. things down. Yeah. And like, yeah, but but it but I would li- I would be lying to you if I, I didn't feel fearful at times that people would you know, discount my blackness if I didn't live out these things. Mm-hmm. You know, if I if I didn't carry the same rage or the same hate towards law enforcement or 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 white people i'm like i can't first of all like two of my best friends are white dudes and i'm discipling a, a guy that's becoming a police officer in a couple months like yeah. i i can't yeah like that just doesn't fit my worldview it doesn't fit my life so mm-hmm. therefore i can't get down with that mm-hmm. and so yes i can stand over here and say to you no doubt black lives matter mm-hmm. Um, but but what I'm going to tell you most is uh, my father's kingdom matters yes, most. Amen. And so therefore, 
when I say Black Lives Matter, you can bet there's a comma. And I'm going to say, but every cop life matters too. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not going to condone any violence towards them. And, mm-hmm. and, and, the, and the hurt life over here matters and the traumatized life over here matters because Jesus called us to, to deal socially in that way yes. and to deal socially with people in love. And so, you know, I, my mantra has been in this season, I've told people, because, you know, they're like, hey, man, you know, they want you to wear a shirt or they want you to put a sign in your yard. And I'm not against anybody doing any of those things. Like express how you stand in this season, mm. however you need to. But my caution to people has been, mm. listen, if your signs and wonders, figuratively speaking, even like that's a pun too. if your signs mm. and wonders are not leading people to closer proximity to the father, mm. then you are not doing what Jesus did. Mm. Because everything Jesus did to reconcile people relationally, it pointed them back to relationship with the Father. Mm. So we have to bring the full gospel every time we step out and we march alongside people. We have to bring the full gospel every time we make a Facebook post. We have to live out the full gospel every time we do a podcast like this and make sure that people understand that the heart behind what we're saying and what we're doing is that I truly believe that the kingdom of God is Near and the kingdom of God is here. It's a both mm. and. And so how do I live those things out daily? And so, um, so yeah, man, being a black man and a Christian is a paradigm. Um, uh, it's becoming an extreme minority, especially being a black Orthodox Christian. Um, because, because Orthodoxy is being thrown out too. And I don't want to get into theology on your podcast and all these things. But, no, but, but I think there has been a, there has been a undermining of biblical truth mm. uh, and a grabbing hold of Jesus and a redefining of Jesus. Hmm. Um, and, and I just can't get down with that. And so uh, for me, um, I feel like I'm standing my ground. I feel like I'm leaving a legacy. I feel hmm. like I'm giving a different perspective. Um, but it's a weight, too. Like, it's a weight. You know, I, I am, when I think of my family, you know, if I think of, you know, siblings or cousins, like, I'm. I'm the only male in my family that's completely sold out to following mm. Jesus. Like, so I'm I'm just different in that way. But I'm also the only one that's in a committed marriage mm-hmm. and, and raising wow. children. And so, you know, there's so many things that make me an oxymoron in a lot of ways. Um, but I think they open doors of opportunity. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's for me. So you all's blackness doesn't dim- diminish your walk with Christ and your purpose. If I'm not submitted to Jesus, like if I like if, if I I could now I could be real with you now. If, 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 I, if I'm not allowing the Holy Spirit to lead me, you know what I can I can get with you know some of these black movements and, and lose sight of the bigger purpose God has given me. I can live there, and I and I'll be completely honest with you. Five months ago. Mm-hmm. When all this stuff started breaking out, that's where I was at. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's where I was at. I mean, the Terman House, we were packing up and leaving Louisville. Mm-hmm. And we were moving back to home and just going to just immerse ourselves in everything black possible. <laughs> like, that was... Black, because black. Yeah, we're going to be black, black, man. We were, <laughs> man, we was going back. And because we were... Tr- because what happens in these moments, you you naturally want to run towards comfort. Yes. And in our minds, like things mm-hmm. are never going to change. So let's just run to comfort. Mm-hmm. And so that definitely can happen. But, but God, but God. But God. right. But God. He has a bigger purpose. And he spoke to me and my wife and said, you're running instead of mm. a body. Mm. And so how about you try my way first? And um, try Jesus. That's where we are. So. <laughs> but don't try. Leave it right there. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Thank you.
At the end of every episode of Two Mamas and a Mustard Seed, we tell a two-minute story about a hero of civil rights. Daisy Bates lost her mother when she was three years old. Her biological mother was killed by three white men. Daisy Bates was born in Huttig, Arkansas in 1914. She grew up in a foster home. She later married and ended up in Little Rock, Arkansas. The couple started their own newspaper, the Arkansas Weekly, an African-American newspaper solely dedicated to the civil rights movement. Daisy also served as the president of the Arkansas chapter of the NAACP for many years. The Supreme Court ruled segregated schools unconstitutional in 1954. Daisy helped African-American students enroll in white schools following that ruling. As black students were often refused enrollment at these schools, Daisy used her newspaper to inform the public of the schools that weren't following the Supreme Court decision. The NAACP worked with Daisy to integrate Arkansas schools. Daisy selected nine students to integrate Central High School in Little Rock in September of 1957. This moment became known as the Little Rock Nine. Daisy went so far to drive the students to and from school and protect them from violent backlash. Daisy herself was no stranger to violent backlash. This backlash and threats rose to such a level that Daisy's family eventually had to shut down the newspaper. They had rocks thrown into their homes on several occasions, and she received bullet shells in the mail. Daisy is a recipient of an American Book Award and spoke at the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom in 1963. Daisy died on November 4, 1999. The third Monday in February in Arkansas is the Daisy Gatson Bates Day, and in 1999, she was posthumously awarded the Medal of Freedom. Okay, okay. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Two Mamas and a Mustard Seed. And a big thank you to today's guests, Terrence Terman and Darian Sanders. It was so good to sit and talk with them. We hope you'll join us for our next episode coming out soon. Until then, remember to be humble, be kind, be a good listener, and be courageous. Two Mamas and a Mustard Seed is written and produced by Kisa Holke and myself. Music is licensed through musicbed.com. Learn more about us and hear more episodes on twomamasandamustardseed.com. Debbie Scheller provided the recording space. And have fun in the sun. Yeah. All I see are blue skies. This feeling just feels so right. All I got a good vibes. I'm in a sunshine state of mind. I just keep on smiling.